Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we're back with this show after another 2-0 week for the Red Storm, now 9-2 on the season. They pick up a huge win over the weekend, 70-68 at the Garden over, over West Virginia, a, uh, a West Virginia team that was you know a top 30, 40 team in, in the country. Huge win for St. John's when they didn't play all that well either in that game, especially down the stretch, uh, to get the win there. And then they close out uh, the week of our show, at least, with an 82-71 win over Brown in which... They kind of stumbled. They kind of bumbled a little bit in the uh, in the second half, allowing 47 points in the second half against Brown. But uh, the real story coming out of of Tuesday night's game, at least, is the injury to Mustafa Heron. Uh, as I'm recording this right now, about 10 minutes after the game has ended, uh, we don't know anything yet about Mustafa. He he uh, looked like he rolled his ankle, hopefully, uh, with about a couple minutes left in the game, uh, trying to make a block. I think he actually did make the block. Uh, seemed like he was he was screaming in pain, hold, holding that ankle, and had to be helped off by his teammates. Did not put any any weight on his ankle. Uh, if something does come out during this show, I will I will definitely uh, give my reaction to that. But for now, we we just hope that he is okay. We hope that it, it's just you know a, a, a spring sprained ankle or rolled ankle or something for Heron, uh, as as uh, Zach Braziller pointed on Twitter. St. John's plays, I think, three games in the next in the next three weeks, basically after this one. So he has some time, luckily, before Biggie's play really uh, gets going to to hopefully recover. Hopefully, you know, it's nothing serious. You never want to speculate, but hopefully, and you know, we we pray that this is just a just just a rolled ankle or or something. And uh, you know, St. John's really really one of their biggest leaders on the team is not lost for a prolonged period of time in what was really supposed to be his breakout season for the Red Storm. But it's hard to kind of push that aside and, and talk about this game and the West Virginia game as well. But I'll, I'll try to do that a little bit here. And I'm going to be joined in a, in a little bit by another WSJU uh, guy. It's Kevin Connolly. Uh, big shout out to Brendan Myers for putting me in contact with Kevin Connolly. He is one of the uh, voices of WSJU of St. John's Basketball on WSJU Radio, the St. John's student radio station. So he's going to come in and we're going to talk a little bit of the last week for the Red Storm. Uh, my thoughts, listen, the West Virginia game felt like it feels good just to get a call for once, just to get a call going in our favor. The uh, the foul at the end on Rasheem Dunn, I don't know if it was really a foul. It, it was it was tight for sure. Uh, the referees were just absolutely terrible in that second half for both teams. So, you know, West Virginia complaining, I tweeted that out, but West Virginia complaining about the referees was just outrageous when they took LJ Figueroa basically out of that game in the second half with some just terrible foul calls. 
calls. Uh, but the done foul call was, was you know, I, I probably would not have made that call in the in the last couple of minutes of a game, but they did make the call and done knocked down the free throws and St. John's gets a stop and they get a huge win over West Virginia, a previously unbeaten West Virginia team who may have cracked the top 25 this week if they had won that game. Instead, St. John's takes them down. Uh, they get a huge game, a huge first half out of LJ Figueroa, but what I liked about this game was that it was not LJ Figueroa and it was not Mustafa Heron who led them in this game. Figueroa had 17. He was shut out in the second half. Heron shot 2 of 12 in this game and did not make a three-pointer. In fact, St. John's only made two three-pointers in this game, two of 17 from beyond the arc in this game. They shot 11% from three-point range and they still were able to get this win. They still put up 70 points. Um, Just timely baskets. Rasheem Dunn felt like he just took over this game. Only shot three of 11, but made seven three throws. St. John's overall 22 of 27 from the line as well. It just just felt like this is one of those wins that, you know, helps build a culture for St. John's. And that certainly was the case here. Um, LJ Figueroa went out with about 14 minutes left, I think, in that game. And they ended up actually extending their lead, St. John's did, to about 11, I believe. And then it was nine with about three minutes to go. So credit to the the supporting cast, you know, Marcellus Erlington, Dunn, who I mentioned, uh, David Carraher, Josh Roberts, Julian Champagny, all of these guys played a huge role in that win over West Virginia. And an- another thing that I love too is the rebounding as well. West Virginia had so much size. They had uh, that guy Culver who ended up with 18 uh, rebounds. Just like a huge, huge guy. And for the most part, St. John's held their own. You know, Josh Roberts grabbed nine rebounds still in this game. Julian Champagny grabbed grabbed nine rebounds in this game as well and they were only out rebounded by two 49 to 47 they did not uh get killed on the offensive glass too bad by west virginia and you know if not for a real collapse down the stretch in that game for st john's that would have been really an easy win you know that would have been a 10 point win for the red storm uh west virginia ended up hitting a couple threes at the end of that game to really make it interesting and and almost won the game obviously but you know if not for 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 like i said a collapse for st john's that would have been a, a runaway win and a really impressive win. It's impressive nonetheless, but it certainly you know would have been really a, a much wider margin if they were able to close the game out. And now you know in terms of closing games out, that kind of brings me to our game against Brown uh, now tonight or, or Tuesday night, depending on when you're you're listening to this. The Red Storm take a 17-point lead into the half, 41-24. to It seemed like this game was, was basically over uh, at that point, but all of a sudden then, Brown just could not miss a shot in the second half. This guy, Anderson, uh, shot 10 of 24 from the field, and he was just on fire in the uh, in the second half of this game. St. John's gives up 47 points in the second half, and I believe they gave up 30 points in the first 10 or so minutes of the first half as well. So they're only giving up 24 in the second half. The three-point defense was not good. I think Brown was two of their first 11, and they finished nine of their final 21, I believe, from three-point range, which is just outrageous to allow a team like Brown, who is not a terrible team, but to allow a team like Brown to uh, to shoot that well from beyond the arc. And the defense was just not good. Way, way, way too many open shooters. I understand that the type of defense that Mike Anderson likes to play is this hectic, in-your-face style defense. But when you overcommit time and time again, it does not work. And we saw that tonight. How many times do we see a guy drive into the lane tonight or Tuesday night and three or four defenders collapsed on him? And it's so easy then. Just kick it out, wide open three, time and time again. And if Brown is able to do that, 
the entire Big East is going to be able to do that against you. So that's not not uh, good. And when you're defending, you know, so far away from the basket, like I said, Anderson likes to play the style of basketball that's in your face, in your face, in your face. But when you're defending that far away from the basket like they were tonight and like they've been doing all season long, it's just so much easier to make a mistake and overcommit, and then that leads to an open three-pointer. And you're getting, they got torched tonight in the second half uh, on the, you know, 47 points in the second half against Brown, and a lot of it came on the three-point end. Uh, that guy Anderson finished with a game-high 25 points. The positives from this game, um, Greg Williams obviously had, had a just a poster dunk in the first half. Felt like he kind of got a little bit of rhythm back. He only shot one of five. Actually, the dunk was actually his only field goal of the game, but four points, four rebounds, three assists, and two steals. Nice game from him, actually, and one of his better games of the season. Figueroa finishes with 23. Heron finishes with 21, although he only shot one of seven from three-point range. And again, uh, we wonder what his status is now going forward. Josh Roberts had another really nice game. Only blocked two shots. I'll give Brown credit. They were they uh, did a nice job kind of being crafty around the rim tonight. Felt like Roberts was really kind of, you don't want to say ineffective because he was still altering shots. But in terms of actually blocking shots, he was not that effective tonight in, in, in defending the rim like he usually is against this lower competition, this lower level of competition like Brown. So give them credit. They had some tough and creative uh, finishes at the basket to kind of get away from the St. John's shot blockers, namely. Josh Roberts. So give give them some credit there. Roberts did have two blocks, but still felt like Brown was able to kind of maneuver their way around him a couple times as well. And uh, Julian Champagne, five points and four rebounds for him. But this was kind of a Heron and Figueroa game. I don't love that Figueroa picked up two fouls really in the first couple of minutes in this game right after doing the same thing against uh, West Virginia. Now, the West Virginia game obviously was not totally his fault, but in this game at least picking up those two fouls. And in a game that, you know, you're really not needed, obviously, and he still finished with a team-high 23, but to, to do that, you know, and pick up those two fouls really right away in this game, not smart by him. You'd expect more out of a relative, relatively veteran player like LJ Figueroa, and I didn't love as well that when when Figueroa came back in the game with two fouls, he was the guy guarding the the, uh, the point guard, you know, the guy bringing the ball up every single possession. I didn't like that, because that's how he got his second foul, you know, playing too tight on a, on a guy bringing the ball up. I didn't like that he kind of went right back to that and started defending the uh, the ball handler and I didn't love that that's kind of a way to pick up a cheap foul but overall um, you know good game for him and a good game for the Red Storm they they did force uh, how many turnovers 14 turnovers in this game but it felt like a lot of them were in the first half that that press was not effective and when that press is not effective for the Red Storm it's it's dangerous it's very very dangerous and they play with fire they kind of play with fire tonight that lead went down to to four I think at one point, I don't think it ever got lower than four in the second half, but still playing with fire against a Brown team that showed that, you know, they, they were definitely more competitive than uh, most of the St. John's lower level competition has been this season. But now the Red Storm get a full week off before playing Albany and then another couple days off, they'll play Arizona and then they'll get, a, you know, an extended rest before Big East play starts. Um, and a really, really good chance to be 10-2 and two now against an Albany team that I don't know much about, but I know that they'll be favored in that game probably by double digits and um, hopefully 
a very, very good chance to be 10-2 and two going into that Arizona game. And then you just try to play a, you know, a competitive 40 minutes against Arizona. You see what happens in that in that in those 40 minutes against Arizona. You try to play tight. You know, maybe you get a win, but if you play if you play a competitive game and get a and even lose that game and go into Big East play 10 and 3, you're getting some momentum and you're building some real momentum uh, heading into into conference play. But obviously, a lot of that kind of falls on the uh, on the availability and the health of Mustafa Heron. Again, we don't want to speculate on that. But a lot of this season is going to, you know, as an understatement, a lot of this season is going to really, um, you know, fall on how healthy Mustafa Heron is going forward, especially in Big East play. But we, we hope that he'll be all right. Obviously, we'll have any updates throughout this show if uh, if something ends up happening to Mustafa Heron. But but let's get to our, our guest for the day. We have another new guest, a lot of new guests this season. And uh, this is a guy, another WSJU member of the St. John's student radio station, Kevin Connolly. Uh, big shout out to, to our guy, Brendan Myers, a longtime friend of the program, Brendan Myers, for uh, putting me in contact with Kevin, setting up uh, this this uh, get-together with him. So he's going to come in. We're going to talk a little bit about the West Virginia game, a little bit about the Brown game, and a little bit about the uh, the injury to Heron as well. So we'll get on that, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy, and I'll be back on the other end to uh, wrap this show up. I now want to welcome on another uh, WSJU radio uh, member. He is Kevin Connolly. Kevin, you've got some big shoes to fill here. I, I don't know if you're filling shoes because uh, Brendan Myers isn't leaving us, but you've got some some big shoes to follow up in, in Brendan Myers. So just, just just know that. I know Brendan's a good guy, but uh, I'm, I'm ready to one-up him uh, on this podcast. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, well, we, we unfortunately have to start with... Uh, with some serious news, obviously Mustafa Heron goes down with that ankle injury. Gonna gonna undergo further tests. Did not look good. Uh, you were at the game. Can you tell us what what you know, being from being there? Uh, it, it didn't look great on the replays. Um, I uh, we can obviously get into a worst case scenario, which I think is on the table in this case. Um, but I think best case scenario, we're looking at a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Anderson said in the press conference that he was going to uh, obviously uh, undergo further testing. He didn't say when that was going to happen, whether it be uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. But I guess one positive thing for St. John's is that they only have three more games left in the month of December, which I guess is a good thing um, if this injury does turn out to be a best-case scenario. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we, he definitely rolled it. I think we, you know, and you don't want to spe- you don't want to speculate, obviously, but he, he looked like he rolled it for sure. You hope that it's not a, it's not a break, which would be a, a longer injury. But high ankle sprain, couple weeks. I, I think they would be. I would I would be ecstatic if it was a high ankle sprain. I'm sure most St. John's fans would be. Couple weeks. I think they could survive that. Correct. Yeah, I think they could survive. You have Albany coming in on the 18th, and then you go out to San Francisco to play Arizona. And let's be honest, Arizona, a really good team, even with Mustafa Heron, that's 
a really questionable game if St. Mm-hmm. John's could win it. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at New Year's Eve back here in Queens against Butler to start Big East play. So, again, if it is just a sprain, which obviously everyone hopes it is just a sprain, um, I think targeting that Butler or Xavier or somewhere around that area at right at the start of the new year would be a, a best case scenario in this situation mm-hmm. absolutely we're, we're hoping for the best for uh for mustafa as a as a person not even you know just in in terms of the team obviously big year for him we hope that he can he can continue it, it it's tough i said this in my open it's, it's tough to be talking about something so serious like that to getting into into the the rest of this game but we've got to do it um Second half of this game, the defense was was not there for St. John's. Forty-seven points allowed. Uh, Brown had a lot of wide open threes. What what did you see out there within the second half? I think this game was very similar to the win uh, last week against St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. St. John's gets out to a, a big lead in the first half, and then they just kind of take their foot off the gas, mm-hmm. uh, thinking they have the game won, mm-hmm. and. Brown's not giving up. I mean, they have nothing to lose playing St. John's in Carnesecca Arena. They're going to try for the full 40 minutes, and I think that's something St. John's has to work on against these um, non-Power 5 type teams like a St. Peter's, a Brown, and even like an Albany coming in next week. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, is that something that you you almost excuse? I said it on this show last week uh, in in that game when they had West Virginia coming in. I almost understood how they kind of, you know, took lost their focus in that game as well and you can kind of say the same about this game coming off of the big win obviously you're gonna have a week off after this you're probably dealing with finals I'm sure do you almost excuse it a little bit understanding you know the, the circumstances surrounding it or no I think you do um, I mean this this game and the Albany game are the ultimate trap games mm-hmm. I mean tonight you're coming off that big win against West Virginia mm-hmm. and then next week against Albany you're looking ahead to the big game against Arizona so they're trap games and St. John's fell into the trap but not catastrophically they still come away with a comfortable 11 point win um, I'd expect the same next week but you do excuse it here and there because their focus and intensity was obviously there in the first half which is important because if it was a better team you'd have to assume that focus and intensity would be there for the full 40 minutes absolutely and, and I, I like what you said there I almost feel like if this would have been a 47 point first half for Brown or St. John's kind of fell apart in the first half and then had to make a comeback I'd be more concerned you know yeah, absolutely. That, that, that first half was key. Um, ball movement was good. Defense was good. Um, and that's that's the biggest positive you're going to take away from this game because even throwing the second half where the defensive lapses and then obviously Heron's injury. Um, I mean, if you're a St. John's fan, you just – hope that you can just throw the second half out the window <laughs> absolutely all right so in that in that second half for st john's obviously it, it felt a lot of times like brown was getting into the lane driving into the lane and two three st john's players were almost collapsing on uh on the brown guy dribbling into the lane and then he was kicking it out for a wide open three felt like they were almost a little too reckless on the defensive end what did you see with that that's something I've seen throughout this year for St. John's. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if it's they're not fully grasping Mike Anderson's scheme, defensive scheme yet, uh, but it seems like they give up a lot of open three-pointers mm-hmm. um, 
because of the, the press and the defense, especially in the corners. Um, and obviously, any level of basketball, you can't come off a corner shooter. Um, that's what I've seen the most. And mm-hmm. I think that was just another example tonight. I mean, maybe they're looking for the steal too much, trying to get their hands in the passing lanes in the paint uh, and to get out and transition for easy bu- buckets. Mm-hmm. But once you, once you start playing better teams, higher caliber players, especially in Big East play, you're going to have to stay connected to those shooters because, I mean, you can go up and down. Uh, the other nine teams in the Big East, there are some lethal shooters in this conference at St. John. They're going to have to stay attached to um, while still playing that aggressive uh, style of defense. Exactly. If, if Brown is hitting those shots, I, I would guarantee that the other nine teams in the Big East are going to consistently be hitting those shots. Uh, you know, I understand that, that that's a system that Anderson likes to play, but when it's not getting the the steals like you're forcing the turnovers like it has been uh, during parts of the season it's it's a very very dangerous system to play you know yeah it really is um st john's they forced 14 turnovers against brown so mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good sign mm-hmm. but um it, it's it's when you play your biggest teams and i mean you could rattle off a couple biggie shooters miles Powell, marcus zagorowski come to mind right mm-hmm. off the bat mm-hmm. um th- those are guys that can light it up um, even when you're all over them. So, I mean, if you give them open shots, forget it. Absolutely. No, I feel like we've been kind of overly negative in this in this, uh, in this this interview, so I want to get to some of the positives. That first half was incredible for St. John's. You know, really, really jumped out to a nice lead. We kind of we touched on it earlier, but I'm, I'm really encouraged by, by they haven't really had that sort of hangover. They haven't really had, we've seen so many times in years past with this team, you know, slow starts against these mid-major, low-level opponents. you got to give them credit they really haven't done that this season no and and that's been a surprising thing i mean even go all the way back to the arizona state game Mm -hmm. i mean they got off to a red hot start and obviously other games in between but that one comes to mind Mm -hmm. um they just got off to an absolute red hot start and for st john's um the starts haven't been bad the starts have been really good it's been closing the games where um they need to improve but i mean go back to this game against brown i mean you went from a sports center not top play to a top 10 play <laughs> and, and the Mustafa Heron uh, block dunk by the rim followed by the Greg Williams slam out of nowhere uh-huh. um, that sent the crowd into a frenzy. Mm-hmm. Who uh, who impressed you the most? I mean, I mean, even going back to the West Virginia game, who, who is the one guy in these, la- in these last two games now for St. John's that's really impressed you the most? I, I think it's Greg Williams Jr. I mean, obviously he was dealing with the back injury mm-hmm. um, for much of the preseason and, and training camp, if you want to call it that. Um, Rasheem Dunn might have been the best player on the floor for St. John's against mm-hmm. West Virginia, but I think Greg Williams Jr. hit the biggest shot of the game in the three-pointer that put St. John's up nine that capped off an 8-0 run, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the biggest play of the game, obviously the free throws and the missed shot, but other than that, that was the biggest play of the game for me. And then tonight, struggled shooting one for five, mm-hmm. um, four points, but it's the four rebounds, the three assists, the one block, the two steals mm-hmm. um, that really stand out to you. And he, if Mustafa Heron is out for an extended period of time, that's one of the players that's going to have to take on uh, a big role for this team going forward. Mm-hmm. I agree, I, and I like that tonight. You know, he didn't really have a, a great shooting night. He actually didn't make a shot except for the dunk, but but he was able to impact the game in other ways. Um, you mentioned you know him stepping up. Who else do you see stepping up? Obviously, Rutherford, Champagny come to mind. Uh, who who do you see kind of stepping up if if Heron is out for an extended period of time? If Heron's out for an extended period of time, if someone's 
has to step up that's not currently on the active roster, and that's Ian Steer, mm. who's eligible to play um, in that Arizona game mm-hmm. on December December 21st. Mm-hmm. He becomes a crucial part of this team. Obviously, LJ Figueroa is going to have to a scoring load along with Rasheem Dunn, but mm-hmm. Ian Steer now becomes a major, major, major X factor for this rest dorm team if Heron is out. Um, for really an extended period of time. Mm, absolutely, I, I I wasn't even thinking of that. I almost forgot that he was coming back to be honest. But but that is something that can help them kind of shoulder um, the load going forward. Guys like Rutherford, Champagne as well. Champagne's done a good job scoring this season. This season, I feel like. So I mean, I, I guess that you could say you need a little bit more from him. But I th- I think that you know guys like if Champagne you know averages three or four more points a game, or Rutherford you know ups his averages a little bit. I feel like they can make two. Yeah, I think they can. Um, Champagne, he he's really surprised me. I know he didn't have his best two games against Brown or West Virginia, mm-hmm. but before that, um, I didn't see that big of a scoring punch coming from him this year. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been good. He's been really good. Um, and obviously Rutherford, who isn't the most uh, gifted player offensively mm-hmm. um, in terms of scoring the ball, he's going to have to make his layups that you see this year that he's kind of missed uh, fast break layups. He has to make those. And I think David Carraher, um, in terms of three-point shooting, coming mm-hmm. off the bench, you saw it in the game um, against UMass, he's going to have to channel that version of himself going forward. Um, if Heron, if we're talking if Heron is yeah. uh, almost like a worst-case scenario. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be, it's not going to be just one guy for sure. It's going to be, you know, a, a team effort, collective effort going forward. Um, going forward for the Red Storm, we, we kind of touched briefly on the uh, on the Albany game coming up they should be a win so you should be 10 and 2 going into that Arizona game which I, I said in, in my in my open that I just recorded it, it feels like you know if you're 10 and 2 going into that Arizona game just play a competitive game against Arizona and then you you feel like you have a lot of momentum going into Biggie's play you do and I know Arizona's ranked 15 right now mm-hmm. um, but to me it hasn't been that impressive mm-hmm. of a number 15 ranking and I think you can just see that at the top of the rankings this year as we're soon to be on our fourth or fifth number one team mm-hmm. um, yeah but really if, if you beat Albany which will take for granted that they will yeah. <laughs> you really have nothing to lose especially if you don't have Mustafa Heron in that Arizona game and that's the, the, the most dangerous teams in sports are the ones with nothing to lose I mean St. John's can just go out there leave it all on the floor and go out there take a lot of threes and if they go in you could be coming away with, with a major upset and basically your signature win um, of the year if you beat Arizona absolutely and then either way you're going into Big East play I, I thought they were going to Big East play 9-4 and four, so unless they lose both of these games which I don't see that happening uh, they are, they've already gained a game in, in my book <laughs> Yeah, and the biggest thing is they don't have any bad losses. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Vermont and Arizona State, those are two NCAA tournament teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't lost to a Central Connecticut State or a Brown or mm-hmm. fill in the blank of the other uh, teams that they've played. So it, it, it's a barring a catastrophic loss against Albany, you're feeling really good about this team going into Big East play and obviously we all know um, what can happen in the Big East. Absolutely. Anything can happen in the Big East. Well, Kevin, want to thank you for uh, for coming on, giving us a couple of minutes tonight, kind of kind of late at night, obviously doing a little uh, instant talk about this Brown game and the West Virginia game. Can hear you all season long on WSJU Radio. Is that correct? Absolutely. Every 
Uh, well, most of the men's games, um, I think we were talking about it uh, just a couple days ago. There's only five games that won't be broadcasted on WSU radio. And I think that's a new station record that about 25 of the 30 games will be broadcasted. So uh, tune in and uh, we love uh, all our listeners. Awesome. Well, and then that could be that's on the uh, is that still on the tune in radio app? Yep, it's on TuneIn Radio and also a link uh, in our bio, uh, on our Twitter bio. Uh, it's at WSJU Sports Radio. So there's uh, the TuneIn link and then there's another link um, if you don't want to go through TuneIn Radio. So uh, multiple ways to listen to us uh, here at the St. John's Student Radio Network. Awesome. Well, you guys do a great job. You, Brendan, and all those guys. Uh Thank you for coming on. Hopefully this is the start of, of you coming on this show regularly as well. I think you did a good job uh, measuring up to Brendan. I appreciate it. And, uh, I'll have to talk to Brendan. We'll, we'll have to get a little bit of a rivalry going here on the show. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. You have a good night. All right. Thanks. You too. All right. All right as always, thank you to Kevin Connolly there of WSJU Radio for coming on, uh, following the footsteps of Brendan Myers, one of our first all-time guests to come on this show. So I'm happy that we're building a little bit of a partnership with WSJU. Hopefully that can continue throughout the season, but great job out of Kevin. Brendan always does a good job as well. So happy that we have those guys on the, on the team going forward. And I'm always happy to get more new voices. So if you are someone who would like to join the show, always hit me up on Twitter. And speaking of my Twitter, if you don't follow me on Twitter, well, first of all, what are you doing? Second of all, I'm at Troy Moriello, T-R-O-Y-M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. You can hit me up there if you're ever interested in, in coming on the show. But uh, yesterday, I tweeted out a little questionnaire, I guess, for the Red Storm fans. Um, and if you didn't see it, you can check it out. But I basically, in a couple of weeks, uh, me and Anderson's Avenue who is formerly Mullins Hood, formerly Lavin Wood. He started the decade as Lavin Wood. He's, uh, he's now Anderson's Avenue, a little 10-year challenge for him. Um, him and I are going to have a podcast coming out probably in two weeks, maybe in a week, but I mean, we're gonna, we'll figure it out. But we're going to be doing the, the top moments of the decade for St. John's basketball. I figured uh, who better to do it with than, than him, who was kind of like the unofficial fan account of, of uh, St. John's on Twitter. So so who better to help help me with that? So what we're gonna do is I I tweeted that out. What's your what's your favorite moments of St. John's over the last couple of years? I got a great amount of responses. We're always looking for more though. So the more and more responses we get, the better this is gonna be. And him and I are just gonna basically talk about you know our favorite ones. I'll probably make a bit of a list. You know a top five, probably not a top ten, probably about a top five list. We'll just go through each one. We're gonna talk about each one. Uh, stroll down memory lane a little bit about each one. Should be a good time. Looking forward to it and uh, a little bit of like an end end of the season episode for you guys an end of the decade episode for you guys as well all the St. John's fans so if you don't follow me on Twitter uh, hit me up there and and reply to that tweet it's it's one of my most recent tweets so so, uh, hit that up and as always, uh, always looking for feedback from the fans as well. So that, that's another opportunity for you guys to get involved in the show. But we will have another show out next week after the Albany game. If something breaks tomorrow about Heron's injury, I will uh, have, have, an, have an emergency podcast on, on Wednesday if something happens, good or bad. Um, but but 
otherwise we pray for the best for Mustafa we hope for the best for him as well uh, during his career and we hope that uh, we hope that it's you know just a minor injury and then he'll be back in a couple of weeks but it is a win for St. John's it's two more wins for St. John's 9-2 and two on the year and now we look forward to next week only two games left in non-conference play but that wraps up our show for today thank you for listening and as always let's go Johnny's